Good morning, by the way. Um, I'm up here because uh, Troy had shoulder surgery. I have to say that slow because I mixed the two together. So anyway, shoulder surgery. And he had it on Thursday, and he was sure he would be here this morning. And um, because of how he's watching me right now. Um, <laughs> stubborn <laughs> he is I thought for sure he would be too and then when I met with the surgeon after he said you absolutely cannot let him do anything until I see him and I'm like oh no because on Thursday morning Troy said to the teaching team oh um you know I have surgery but I'm sure I'll be teaching and and um and if not Trisha will pinch hit, but honestly, I'm sure I'll be there, and I'm thinking he will be. And so I was taking notes for a different meeting, and <laughs> I didn't even listen to what they were talking about. So um, so I found out on Thursday night, and uh, so, and then I started studying yesterday. So um, you're going to get a lot of red notes, and some are Troy's and some are mine. So anyway, welcome this morning. If you don't know who I am, I'm Trisha Murphy, and I am Troy's wife. So that's why I got to pinch it, because I'd be the one sitting next to him being able to ask him, so what were you thinking about this? Um, but I do want to say one thing um, about what that little interaction with Bobby was before we get started, and that is that... Um, we did not say anything last week about that mass shooting that happened in Orlando, and we most certainly would have. Um, we were completely unaware that it even had happened um, until about maybe 10.30 or quarter to 11 of last weekend. And so I apologize that we did not say anything. It's not that we don't want to acknowledge when something's going on. And probably several of you came in um, thinking we would say something, and we didn't. And, and so I'm really sorry we didn't. We certainly would have. And... Um, what a great thing to be talking about God as a father today, because I think just of um, the promises, even that that song said, that you're a good, good father, and it's hard, even in the midst of that, to connect those two thoughts, to think, oh, he is a good, good father, and then this happens, right? I mean, we all kind of, why? But I think of you know, that is the result of the sinful nature, and unfortunately someone acted on that. But what I do know is that the promise of God being a good, good father is that he loves every single one of those people who perished along with those families who are suffering and grieving right now, and he longs to be close to them. And that hasn't changed, and he doesn't change in that. And so I hang on to that, and I, I hope you can cling to that and get some... Um, peace and resolution around that because it is a God who doesn't want that to happen, but he does long to be in the moment and be connected to it. So I love that we're talking about who God is this morning because I think it's it's very relevant to where we are in our world today. So um, let's see here. Um, so, okay, we're talking about 10. So I'm going to get started here. So how many of you guys have been in um, this series the last two weeks, and now this is your third week? Anybody? Okay, good. Right on. So we've been talking about 10, and 10 represents what the Bible is divided up into, these 10 portions. And so we thought it would be good to do a series on the Bible because we wanted to 
um, eliminate some things about the Bible that we think a lot of people feel today. And so one of those is to remove the intimidation. So some people pick up their Bibles and they look at it and they're very intimidated by it. It's like, oh my goodness, where do I start with this? And, and I don't understand all the words and who all these people are. And so very intimidated by it. And we kind of want to, our hope is that we remove some of that intimidation. Um, the other thing is that we want to rekindle your engagement. Um, we hope that by maybe it touches some of you in different ways. For me, I love history, and so it's always drawn me into the story. I love story, and so for me, um, when someone talks about a story in the Bible, they come up here and teach on a story, I always want to go back and read it, or I find myself reading the story and not listening very well just because I'm so attracted to that. So for some of you this morning, when we talk about poetry, you'll be like, yes, and for some of you, you're already turning me off, but don't do it. Um, and then the last thing is just to realize the bigger story, that the Bible isn't just a collection of 66 books, but that it is God's message to us about why he did the things he did and why he sent his son, and that it is a bigger story. They all fit together. So we're hoping with this series um, that you're able to capture that. And then we also did this. We started to hand out note cards. And so you have on your chair, let's see, I think I have mine in here, the, a white card. How many of you were here last week? Yeah. I wear bifocals, and I cannot see. So on this side, which you can't see, I started writing my notes. I leaned over to Harper and said, oh, I can't even see what I'm writing in my boxes. I think my, my boxes are too small. So I flip it over. Can you even see my notes? I still can't read my own notes. I'm like, ah can't read that. So we got white this week. Isn't that cool? So it's much easier. You can always take out the notes from last week and just flip it fast and say, see, I took notes. And they'll never know. Anyway, um, so it's white. I want you to pull that out if you have a pen, if you like taking notes. What's kind of nice, and our idea behind this was, as we go through each section, once you finish your notes, you can slide it into your Bible, and you'll always have those notes in that section to look back to, which is kind of cool. Now, for those of you that have missed the last few weeks, we do have it online. You can look at the notes on there um, or on our app, so you can have access to those. So if you feel like you're being left out, don't worry about it. You can catch up. So the first week we talked about um, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The second week we talked about history, the history of the Israelites, and how did they start, and there were like 50 books. So not really, I'm exaggerating. Um, so I want you to write a three here, and I want you to put five boxes, because we only have five books today. Yay! Okay, well, especially for me. Um, so the title of today is called Wisdom, or God's Wisdom, or Real Wisdom, if you want to put that. And we're going to talk about the wisdom books. And um, these books are so cool. I'm actually really glad I got to teach this, just because I really like um, the poetry in the Bible. So it's pretty cool. Now, I do want to mention one more thing before I get started on this. If you guys have bought the books, or maybe you've bought the Kindle version of them, the two books we recommended, this one and then the Essential 100, if you did, the readings for today for this one is 41 through 45, in case you wanted to know. And then this one is um, reading 16, which is the Good Shepherd. So if you want to note that on your card, you can do that. So a little bit about these books before we get into what the books are. First of all, they are poetical books, and so they're experiential. 
They're not necessarily all about facts. They tend to focus more on feelings and emotions. Um, the historical books that Troy's been going through are all about a nation, but these are actually more concerned with the actual individuals. Um, individuals, um, us as well, but also the people that wrote it, which is really cool. Um, the first two weeks Troy did um, had more to do with the human race. This has to do with our human heart. And then also, when you hear poetical, maybe it freaks you out. You're like, oh gosh, I hate poetry. And actually, I wasn't totally into poetry either, but I love creative writing, and so it really captures my heart. But when it says that, it's actually just relating to the form. It's not necessarily that it's just poetry. It's actually the cries of the heart. It deals with real struggles. It's just another way of writing. And so what I love about these books is that, um, you know, if, if Troy bought up a book, it would be like, maybe a textbook for the last two weeks, like going to a history class and you get the big textbook and then you have to read through it all and remember the facts. This one is more like um, me bringing up five journals. And it's, it would be more like a peek into somebody's journal. You know, what did they feel and what did they think and what were they struggling with? And what did they learn and what are they frustrated with? And so we get the privilege of peeking into these different um, men's lives and what they felt, which to me was really um, cool because I kept feeling like, wow, God included those in the Bible, and I think there was purpose behind that. I think he was trying to say, I'm not just going to give you the facts. I actually want you to know that I know what you struggle with as humans. I understand it, and I hear your cries, and I hear your thoughts, and I know you struggle and have pain and are hurt and have um, grief in your life and, and don't understand what is going on and have questions. And I feel like, to me, it says, you are okay with expressing those. And I thought, man, that's so cool to know that those are also in our Bible. It's not just facts. So that's pretty cool. So Troy had um, a word for each book and uh, some bullet points to summarize them. So why don't we dive into those? Um, underneath the book, the book title is actually just one word. And those are what we felt this week. And, and it's so cool that it coincided with Father's Day because it's all the roles of the Father in our lives. So um, God the Father. So in this one, in Job, it's actually Father. Um, so he... Um, Troy actually picked these, but they are, actually I think it was picked on Thursday morning when I wasn't listening. Um, but it's so beautiful because it is such a picture of God the Father and as a father who loves us. So Job, for those of you that don't know, um, the author is actually unknown. We don't know who wrote it. And the time of Job is right around the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, somewhere in that timeline. And they guess that based on how people were living at that time, and so they've kind of put it there. Job from chapters 1 to 38 are mostly um, a collection of dialogues between Job and a few friends that are trying to help him. So Job is just this beautifully awful book. <laughs> and I say that because it's about a man who God allows um, Satan to distress him by taking all of his belongings, including his children, and 
his livestock and everything he owned, and then he took his health. And the reason why God allowed that was because Satan didn't think there was any man that could withstand that. And he said, oh no, this man will still love me regardless of what happens to him. And so basically it's a story about someone that goes through all of this heartache and what does he do with that? And so it's such a, it's an interesting, but it's excellent. So the major theme of it is suffering but also a righteous man that God is testing and allows testing to happen. So he's tested by God, and he allows him to be tormented. Um, but Job's biggest struggle wasn't the pain of the loss. If you read through it, it actually wasn't all the loss like we would think it would be. It was actually trying to understand why God would allow him to suffer. If he's a faithful, righteous man, why would God allow that? I mean... Don't, if I love you and I do everything you tell me to do, aren't you going to protect me from any pain in my life? Don't we think that way? If I do this, you'll do this. And so it's a little bit of him grappling with that. It's, it's really a beautiful book, and I would encourage you to read through that. So it shows God's sovereignty as well. Um, and it just helps people that ask that question, why God? Why? So even asking the question about what happened last weekend. Um, it's a great book to read through because he puts into words, it's like I said, it's his journal, it's Job's journal about what he felt and thought and what people around him thought too. And so it's an excellent book. Okay, so second book of, of these poetic books um, is Psalms. And so many of you are familiar with Psalms. That's a really common book that everybody knows. And in Psalms, the role of the father is a shepherd. So he's a shepherd who cares for us. So God's role in the Psalms is a shepherd. There's actually 150 Psalms. David is um, the author of 71 of them, in case you wanted to know. Some people like those facts. There's 51 that are actually anonymous, and then the rest are random authors. Um, the the, the um, Psalms, the reason why it says five books is because Psalms can actually be divided up into five books. And they coincide with the first five books of the Bible. Isn't that cool? And so you can see that each book is divided up accordingly. So the one that corresponds with Genesis is about man and creation. So the first section of it, chapters 1 through 41. Then the second one corresponds to Exodus. It's about Israel and redemption, and those are a few more chapters. Then there's one about worship and the temple that connects to Leviticus. The fourth one is the journey on the earth. It corresponds to numbers. And then the last one is praise and the word of God. And that corresponds to Deuteronomy, which I didn't know. I thought that was a really cool fact. Um, they're really songs that are, psalms are really worship songs. So when we sometimes hear on Sunday morning, we might be singing a song and think, huh, I swear I read that in, in um, psalms. And so a lot of them were actually written by David as songs that he sang. And so um, it's a great way for us to take some of the psalms and just sing them, which is so cool. And then there are also prayers of someone that cries out to God. And again, this is just such a beautiful picture into somebody's heart. So for those of you that might um, struggle with praying, it's nice to take a psalm and rewrite it. As a matter of fact, the author of that one book that uh, we've suggested that you read took Psalm 23 and rewrote it. And this is how she rewrote it. She said... Um, God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. Isn't that such a cool way to think of it? He feeds me, he guides me, he looks after me, and I have everything I need. Inside my heart is very quiet, 
as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He's getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever, love will go to. Isn't that a great way to rewrite it? So she read that psalm and then wrote it that way. But what I want you guys to do right now is I'm going to put you through a little exercise. You can turn your sheets over on the other side if you're using your white paper. And what I want you to do is take Psalm 23, and I'm just going to say the first line, okay? So maybe you want to close your eyes and think for, think for a minute. So the first line says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So what I want you to think is, how would I change that to fit where I'm at right now? So I was laying in bed last night, and I thought, the Lord is my, what would I say right now? The Lord is my provider. And then I thought, I will not be anxious. Um, how about you? The Lord is my, I want you to write it down. The Lord is my what? I can't fill that in for you. That's where it helps to pull that psalm out. The Lord is my, I want you to write it down. Then because of what you wrote down, I will not, what? I can't answer that for you. That's your own internal, what's going on inside your heart. So the Lord is my answer, the Lord, and I will not, whatever that is. So you can see how you can take psalms and rewrite those just so that it helps you put into words what you're feeling. How many of you feel like, I don't even know where to begin with prayer sometimes? And I can raise my hand for that because I feel there's lots of times when whatever I'm going through, I feel like I don't even know how to put this into words, what I'm feeling. And God is okay with hearing that you're frustrated, that you might be angry or you're very sad or maybe you're excited about something and you want to praise him, but you think, I can't think of any other words but thank you and to open up a psalm that gives praise to him for all the things that he is and you get on a roll and you just start writing your own words. So I'd so encourage you to try that this week, to pull open the psalms and read it and start to write into words. And if you don't know which psalm, pick Psalm 23 if that's what you need. Um, it's a great psalm to rewrite. Okay, so the third book that's in there is um, Proverbs. And so Proverbs is, um, is uh, well, okay, try, try a king. And, and then I called him in between services. I'm like, hey, you put king, but I didn't. I had teacher. And so then I couldn't. He gave me reasons why, and I know he's probably watching this right now. And I can't remember what you said. Sorry. I'm going to just stick with teacher. I think. I can't remember. Isn't that terrible? I have such a short memory. So anyway, there's a reason why I put king. Maybe next week he'll tell you why. But I'm saying that the role of, of God through Proverbs is a teacher. And that a teacher who directs us. He tries to keep us from the snares of life. So Proverbs is written by Solomon. He had a little help from these other guys. Um, the wise. I don't know who the wise are. And then these other two. Um, I was going to say yahoos. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. Okay. I take that back. Um, so what 
the book of Psalms is to prayer and devotions. The book of Proverbs is to everyday life. So if you've not read Proverbs, Proverbs are like these little short, um, if you, then this, or um, like it contrasts between like a fool or the wicked or the stubborn, and then the wise, the righteous, the pure. So it keeps giving a, if you're this, then this. Or a fool will do this, but a wise person would do this in this situation. So it keeps bringing up different situations. You don't read, need to read a lot of them at one time or it just gets overwhelming. It's like somebody telling you all these awesome things to live by, but all in one sitting. So I'd recommend maybe one or two Proverbs a day just to really let them sink in. Um, the different topics are character, money and business, spiritual health, relationships, temptation and sex, uh, choosing wise words, things like that. So how many of you remember your parents, grandparents having sayings that, and actually Bobby kind of alluded to stupid things that dad say, but, or was it stupid? What was it? Dad, don't do that. Stop it. Okay, yeah, I'll just stop it now. <laughs> I might look back at this and think that. Okay, um, so one of the things that I remember my dad saying, and I think he was repeating the Navy SEAL guy saying this because he, I think he heard it and said it. But anyway, he said, make your bed every day because then at least you've accomplished something. And I do remember my dad saying that to us. And so Troy and I, we make our bed together in the morning. And um, I always think, oh, I hate making my bed. How many people hate making their bed? Please. Oh, yes. Good. Not the only one. I don't know what that is. I just think, well, I'm just going to get in it at night. Right? Okay. So anyway, we do make our bed. And it does feel good to walk in the bedroom and have the bed made. But that's kind of, it's, it, they're a little better than that. It's not the Proverbs, don't say make your bed. But they are just short little sayings like that, that kind of stick in your head. And they're great to start to read through over and over because they'll stick and you'll re, be reminded when you're in the moment. Okay, so that's our third book. All right, our fourth book is Ecclesiastes. And um, in Ecclesiastes, it's, uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, did I do that wrong? Oh, yeah, okay, Troy. Oh, yeah, that's where Troy put teacher. That's what he was saying to me. Well, <laughs> I had king. <laughs> I switched those two. I'm getting it now. He, said, he told me that. Now I'm remembering. Um, but I have king who knows all about us. Um, and actually, I kind of like my way better, but <laughs> I don't know. He's not here. Um... <laughs> So this one was actually written by Solomon, and it was the near the end of his reign. And this one is such an interesting book to read. It's very short, um, but what he does, if you guys don't know anything about Solomon, I'll give you just the quick synopsis of his life. He asks God in the very beginning of his life, God says, you can ask me for anything, anything at all. And what does he ask for? Do you guys know? Wisdom, right, exactly. And so God gives him wisdom, but then he also, in addition, gives him everything you could ever want. I mean, if you read about him, he's, he has riches, he has fame, he's wise, he has lots of wives and children and um, possessions, and he has nations, and I mean, it just, it goes on and on. Everything he could ever want, right? And so he is at the end of his life now, and he's writing. This is his journal that he's writing. And he basically says, when you read the whole book, it's kind of depressing, actually, because he says everything is meaningless. Like he'll document something, and then at the very end, he's like, but 
everything is meaningless under the sun. And it's kind of, in a way, depressing. But in another way, I feel like if you don't write this next phrase down, really what he was saying, and he does say this throughout toward the end there, he says, apart from God. And I think that's so important to add to these notes. Everything is meaningless apart from God. And that's what he was trying to get across, that you guys can chase after, after everything. And believe me, I've had it all is what he's saying. And it's all meaningless if you don't have God. And he, if all people, can give us that answer. And so he takes a whole book to give us that answer, which is so cool. So if you have ever said, if only I had, if only I could, oh God, if only you give me this, if only you help me buy a house, if only you give me the funds to pay off my debt, I promise I'll dot, dot, dot. And we think that will be the thing that makes us happy. And what he's saying is it doesn't satisfy us. So if you ever struggle with that, if that's one of your demons of, man, I know if I could just have this, I'll be as happy as can be, and I will do anything God wants me to. You're going to feel this feeling, and what he's saying is, I'm grabbing at it, and as soon as I get it, what was it? There's just nothing there. My hand is empty, is what he's saying. So it's a great book to read and discover um, someone who got more than he ever wanted and wasn't satisfied. So, okay, so the last book in this little group is Song of, Sol Song of Songs and also called Song of Solomon. It can be called either. And this was written by Solomon. How many of you guys have read this book? Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, this is a book about love. And so it's probably the most, um, we'll just say, PG-13 rated book in the Bible, right? Although there is some other stuff in there that... You'll have to read the rest of the Bible to find out. There you go. Um, Song of Solomon was actually written as a love, um, almost like a love story. It's about a groom and a bride. It's a story of two lovers, about courtship and marriage, and it's about the attraction and the pursuit of two people after each other. And this one, I feel like, really gives a great picture of God, the Father, as a groom pursuing us as a bride. And so it's such a beautiful picture of two people pursuing each other. And it's, it also has to do with sexual relationship in a marriage. And I feel like this is a book that we probably don't pick up very often and don't read through, but I feel like it's such a great, beautiful book to read. And here's why I think so. Um, I just feel like our, our uh, culture is so saturated with sexuality and not probably the way God intended for it to be. And so I feel like there's that, you start to read through this, and I actually read through it yesterday thinking, I have not read this in a long time. I can't even remember why we deem it the, you know, um, book of love or whatever it is. And when I read through it, I thought, oh, wow, yes, this is, this is what it's about. And I feel like in the, in the, perspective that we have and what we think sexuality was given to us for is so warped compared to what God has designed it to be. And so it's, it is really a beautiful picture of a man and a woman pursuing each other and in a, in a godly way. And so I'd encourage you to read it. And I feel like if, if you've lost your way, in, even in a marriage relationship, in looking at it as a, a sacrificial pursuit, of, that, of the other in that relationship. It's such a great reminder. So I'd encourage you to pick it up and even talk about it after you guys read it. It's just a really beautiful picture of a groom. Okay, so 
Troy told me I could pick any passage I wanted to close, and out of the five books, um, I picked one that I love, and it's back in Job. It's back in the first book that we read. Um, so if you have your Bible, you can certainly turn to it, but I'll have it up on the screen, so don't feel like you have to follow through. But if you want to look for it, it's kind of right in the middle of your Bible. And the reason why I picked this was, remember how I said Job in the very beginning was this, it's, I think there's 42 chapters, 38 of the chapters are about him um, asking God and his friends why. Did you allow this? So the 38 chapters are actually necessary to get to the last four chapters. 39, Five chapters? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to add that up. Um, because um, in it, it talks about God's answer to Job's questions. And so I just want to read this to you. It's, um, these are the first verses in, oh, sorry, that's right. You're supposed to draw a line. I was supposed to say that out loud. And then those two groups of verses. Okay. Should I wait a second? Do you want to write those down? There. Okay. Moving on. Job 38, 1 through 11. So this is what it says. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. I just want to point something out here because this will set the stage for how God answered Job, right? Job's gone through all this horrific stuff. His friends have speculated on why God allowed this to happen and kept telling him he had to repent and all these things. And then God starts to answer him, and he comes in a whirlwind. And we, we read about God coming in the whisper, coming gently, or you know, just in a, um, in a gentle way approaching someone. Well, this one, I feel like he added that whirlwind because I feel like a whirlwind to me is like tornado. Like, oh, I will come and be as big and bold as you need me to be. And so he says, who is this that questions my wisdom? With such ignorant words, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. That sounds intimidating. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside of its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Do you hear the, I am God, hear me roar? Uh, I do. When I read that, when he, I mean that first statement, when he first says, <laughs> Um, brace yourself like a man, I feel like, oh, it, here comes the tornado. You know, like, I am going to tell you who I am as God. And then he goes on, and I'll, I'm not, I didn't list all of it because it's five chapters, but if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from the other chapters just to, just to pique your interest and hopefully get you to go back and read some of this. But here's some of the other things he says. Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rainfall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender roots spring up? 
Can you direct the constellations? Through the seasons or guide the bear and her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? Do you see what he was trying to do? Now, when I read that, I think, okay, first of all, I am humbled. The whole God uh, syndrome that we sometimes feel, especially, I think, as Americans we do, because we're, we're told to be independent as children. And we're raised that way. And that's what our culture is all about, is be independent. So we have to feel this independence like we don't need anybody. But here is God saying, do you do all these things? Do you cause there? All of a sudden, you feel like, whoa, I am small compared to God. But then there's this flip side to when I read that. And let me just share with you that side of it. Because I feel like that's what kind of these journals talk about is that God is saying, I am constant. I created this. You don't have to be afraid. I am in control. I am God. And to me, there's so much comfort in these verses that I encourage you to read through it because to me, I think, if he cares about all that and did all that, which you know, conceptually, you think, oh, well, I know he made the earth. I get that. But when you start to read through his answer to Job, he's basically saying, know who I am so that you know who you are so that you know you can count on me. Know who I am, right? So he takes almost four and a half chapters of, it's amazing, you have to read through it. These are Job 38 through 42, and then this is how he ends it. He gets to Job 42, and Job replies back to the Lord, and this is what he says. I know, it's almost like, oh, wow, I know now. It's kind of how I hear his voice. Oh, wow, I know now that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things that I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. Do you hear it? It's not a fear. It's these are amazing, you're an amazing God. You're an amazing God. And then he says, you said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And then Job says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. It was almost like God took his own journal and said, here, I want you to see what goes on behind the scenes. I want you to know what goes on behind the scenes and know that I know. I know it all, and you don't have to be afraid. And when I hear that, I think, oh, I want you to know that. Because these poetry books, these poem books, to me, are saying, you express to God whatever you feel and think. Whatever is going on in your life, because he's not afraid of it, he knows, and he wants to comfort, come alongside of you. He wants to celebrate with you. He wants to grieve with you. He wants to be happy and sad with you, and he understands. And to me, that is a ton of comfort. 
And so in closing, I just, Bobby, you can come on up if you want to. I think take this Bible that we keep saying, crack open, please crack it open, and read through some of these and start to understand God's role in our lives by looking into these journals because you're going to find that throughout those books that God is a father who loves. He's a shepherd who cares. He's a king that gives meaning and a teacher that directs and a groom that pursues you. He pursues you. So my question to you is, do you see God? Like Job said, he saw him with his eyes finally and probably with his heart. And so I want you to see him. I want you to experience him. So as you go to communion and to response, I want you to ask God, reveal yourself to me. I'm afraid to share what I have to share, but I'm going to put it out there in hopes that you respond to me. And then read his word and see some of the answers he gives to that. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you for being a father um, to us and a father in so many different ways, as a teacher, as, as someone who pursues us, as a father who loves us and cares for us. And God, I long for our church to experience those sides of you, that God, you would meet each person that's in here in the place that they're at, because I know you know and I know you understand, and I know you care for each one of them very deeply. And I know you long to be in relationship with them. So, Father, I pray that you'd reveal um, to each one of us as we read your word what you want us to learn, what you want us to walk away with. And I ask this all in your name. Amen.